I've been watching you all night from across the room. Why don't you go back there and keep watching? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. Oh, I'm Greg. <laughs> I was waiting for you to finish, but you were finished. I threw him off because I'm looking at this thing. Cool. Hey, guys. We're back for another week. We're back. Another week. Another episode of Double Impact. What are we doing today, Tristan? Doing a little movie called The Bodyguard. Uh, oh, something we should probably uh, call out is uh, apologies for not having a few episodes for a, for a while. Uh-huh. It's been a bit of a rocky start to the year. There's been various... I think we're, for a couple of guys with we're doing the best lives, we can. we've been very consistent, but there's been a few spanners thrown in our works of late. Yes, many spanners. International breakage of, of laptops. Yeah, international that's pandemics. That's pretty much the main one. Yeah. yeah. We're pretty good. We're pretty good. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for hanging around. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. bodyguard, do you know yesterday? Yeah. Uh, as we record this, was the 10-year anniversary of Whitney Houston's passing. Yeah, shit. Well, I watched The Bodyguard yesterday. Isn't that uncanny? Yeah. There's been a few of these there that is. we've done. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if it's like an unconscious thing. It's surely not because that's yeah, so specific. Seen, yeah. But, well, you picked this movie. Was there any particular reason why? It just was time. Uh, I've been wanting to do it for a while because I, uh, I like the songs. The songs, man. I didn't realise so many songs were from this movie. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. thought they were random Whitney songs from throughout her career that I liked. Yeah. But fuck. I didn't realise she had written them for this film. I don't think she wrote them. Oh, well. But, yeah, but they're, but they're like yeah. Whitney songs. Yeah, yeah. That, Release them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Release. <laughs> um, well, this was 92. Yeah. That's a lot earlier than I thought. Time. Time. Yeah. Yeah. We often speak of time. So 1992, <laughs> obviously the Barcelona Olympics is something we talk about. Barcelona! Thank you, Freddie. This film is about music-ish. Yeah. There's a lot of musical connections given. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to keep on theme for a little 92 tidbit oh, and yeah. reference January 16th, which was the date that Eric Clapton performed his episode of MTV Unplugged at Bray Film Studios in Windsor, England. And we got a, oh, yeah, I know what happened here. Right. This is when we got the new Layla? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a big song for you? Uh, Not really? Yes and no. There's some, I don't, I can't pinpoint it, but there was something about Eric Clapton in my youth. Maybe my dad listened to it a lot or something. Maybe that's what it was actually. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't really, that song became bigger for me as the years went on. Yeah, right. Um, The original or this version? More the original, but then I loved both. And then also then because I got big into the Beatles and then. And then obviously Clapton stole 
stole George Harrison's wife, Patty Boyd, mm-hmm. and she was Layla, basically. Yeah. The song was about her. Mm. So that so the song became more significant for me. It's one it's a good it's good. Interesting. It's one of those ones uh I've tried to learn on guitar and I just nah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's Eric Clapton. That's the he's problem. Busted. <laughs> um, I loved that, that album, and I was really quite. Yeah. I was quite young, ninety two. I was like ten, and I wanted to get it for my birthday, the CD. Mm. And my brother told my parents, and they they thought my brother wanted it for himself. Yeah, because it sounded weird. Because they were like, my parents were like, Eric Clapton. Was this CD at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Those MTV Unplugged things were huge. They were huge. I had the Nirvana one. Yeah, that well, again. That was that's... my first after Hit Machine two. That was my first CD and Frog Stomp. Together. Nevermind was my first CD. Ah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Grunge was big, man. I it had was. long hair. I was wearing my hot tuna t-shirt. So this album, um, it won six Grammys, Tristan. It became Clapton's best-selling album. It won like Rock Song of the Year or something, which I think was controversial at the time. Maybe, yeah, right. Because it was like the softer version of of Layla. Of Layla. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, it is the best-selling still, I believe, uh, best-selling live album recording of all time, which is slightly contentious because it was a, more of a session. Yeah, um, But okay. there was a live audience as opposed to like a stadium, you know, Interesting. concert per se. It's quite cool though because, I mean, a lot of artists do an acoustic version of one of their songs, but this was like a new composition. Like it was actually, it was the same song, but it, it was different. different song, it yeah. wasn't just like I'm not using an electric guitar, but it's like there was new... Things in yeah, there. It, new, yeah. it didn't have the 10 minute piano solo at the end. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like that. Me too. <laughs> that's, that's good fellas to me. Oh, big time. You know, I got tickets um, through one of the media owners to go and see Eric Clapton. And I was a pretty big Eric Clapton fan. Oh, He's yeah. one of the best guitar players. You know, he's, like, yeah. he's in the mix of all time. Fuck yeah. And I, I thought it would be a nice thing for my parents to do as well. And then I was like, Probably should have just taken my dad. Right. <laughs> like mum would have liked it but not as much. I think I would have appreciated it more. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never seen him and probably never will. Uh, anyway. that well, uh, he's that getting was a bit the, weird now too. Yeah. Mm. It happens. It's a shame. So uh, best-selling live album of all time. Fuck. Estimated 26 million copies worldwide, which pales in comparison to the biggest soundtrack of all time. Is that this? Yeah. I meant to look into that. I was wondering if it was fucking Forrest Gump or something. No, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the big steal. <laughs> yeah. No, it was this one, The Bodyguard, 45 million copies. Fuck. Um, which is pretty epic. Kind of it kind of deserves it if you think about some of the originals in it or all covers. Yeah. Um, the big one obviously being a cover from Dolly Parton. Yeah. But 45 million copies, mate. That's uh, that's I think that's good. It's huge. And because of it, Whitney had Three songs in the top 100, for top 20, which was the first time a female act of any kind had three songs in the top 20 ever. Wow. Yeah. Big time. Smashing records. Big time. Smashing records. Make it, creating records, smashing records with her records. Her records was breaking records. Oh. Smashing bags. Smashing them. Well, maybe, probably. And what about the movie itself, Tristan? Well, it was a big year for movies all around, Greg, when you know it. Um, 
Aladdin. Aladdin came out Aladdin. this year. In fact, we've done the top three films of the movie. Uh, of the, of the movie. The, of the movie. We've done the top three films of the year now because we did Aladdin, we did Home Alone 2, which was number three, and now we're doing the number two film of the year, which was, of course, The Bodyguard. Film of the year, yeah, worldwide, <laughs> worldwide. Numbers are always worldwide. In case wide, you know. wide, prestige. Wide. <laughs> Come out in November of 1992. Budget of 25 million dollars. Gross of 411 million dollars. Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 34 percent. Audience score of 64 uh, percent. Critic consensus: The Bodyguard is a cheesy melodramatic pot boiler with occasional moments of electricity from Whitney Houston. Oh. Pot boiler. What's a pot boiler? I don't know. I like it. Like a stove? I like stoves. What's wrong with that? It's a melodramatic stove. Goddamn pot boiler. Yeah. Look that up. It sounds like a real real old school insult. You're a real pot boiler. Just like your father was. (laughs) You always be a pot boiler. Daddy's a pot boiler. Yeah, I know your daddy. Your father was a pot boiler. His father was a pot boiler. His father. Probably. Probably a pot boiler. (laughs) Keep going. Big movie for you, Greg Carney? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think my sister probably would have driven a bit of that. You know, she was um, she was heavily into pop music. Yeah. So she would have been all over Whitney from memory. Kevin Costner was a cool guy. Yeah. Do you know, I remember the knife throwing scene at the beginning. That was cool. It was cool. I went out and bought one of those. One, <laughs> did you? not three, because I was young and How poor. fast did you lose it? It's a great question. <laughs> Pretty quickly. Yeah. So we had a gum tree in the backyard and I'd practice at the gum tree. I was very bad at How it. How did you get it? Martial arts world glazable, baby. Fuck. That's old. How old were you? Uh, Ten. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Different time. Mate, fully. Fuck. <laughs> Mate, martial arts. Did you ever go to martial arts world glazable? No. It was like. I should have. It was. Me and Jono would have lost our mind. Maybe Jono did actually. You know, and so. it was like. A spiritual experience going into martial arts world Glazeville yeah. as a kid. Like I'd go in I'd go in there. Who owned it? Was it a cool guy or like a comic book store guy? Uh, I think the family oh I forget the family's name. I think they were pretty cool. There was a couple of sons and I think the dad owned it. Right. Um Ah, oh, damn it. I could have done some digging here, called up some old friends. Yeah. Um but I think they're a local family. I think Okay. It wasn't like some old creepy guy, like a Steven Seagal type in a kimono. No, I think there was one guy there that wasn't very nice, but the others were like, man, I was so young. Yeah. But you'd go in there and I'd just stare at things and just think how cool it would be to have that. Yeah. And like I bought the Tower of Jeet Kundo <clears throat> from there. And again, that's like Bruce Lee's. Oh, okay. Um, magnum opus. I do remember there was stores, not martial arts stores specifically, but stores that had quirky things that were sometimes include martial arts things like yeah. weird knives and things yeah. and being young and going, oh, can you imagine? Can't wait till I'm old and buy, and buy, buy knives. Buy knives. <laughs> there was 100% there was this place in Chinatown. We used to go into Chinatown on Dixon Street. There was oh, this yeah. Chinese restaurant we used to go to all the time as a family. And you look in the window. And I used to ask random Asians if they knew karate. <laughs> Oh, but that's you know that was the it was a, it was a, a harmless connection. Yeah, of course. But 
Fuck that. Oh, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think uh, when I say randoms, I ask one guy and he's like, yeah, okay. of course. He's <laughs> like, whoa. Me and my brother like, whoa. He's probably like Bruce Lee. And you go into these little stores there that were like knife stores. Yeah. Um, and I just, it was. So cool. It was the coolest thing in the world at that. They'll be very yeah. creative knives, yeah. like horrible knives, I guess. Like what are you using those for? Yeah. But uh, cool, or very cool. But, yes, to answer your question, I used to throw it and always get the butt stuck in the tree. So it would be very <laughs> good at not killing someone but maybe knocking them out. Ah, that's nice. And then I missed the tree once and it went like I was lost in my garden. You'd go for stun instead of kill. Yeah, yeah. It's very good of you. Yeah. Like The Rock would do probably. Well, that's what I was basing it on. <laughs> uh, so I had that memory. What about you? <laughs> I realised I haven't actually seen this. I just felt like I had. Wow. I knew the plot. I think I'd seen bits of it. This is, again, that age little Delta. Perhaps. Yeah, um, and it was a big movie. I was conscious of it. Obviously the song was I huge and everything. It. I just think I never got around to it. I was not a Kevin. I was not a fan of Kevin Costner. That was yeah. not a draw card at all. Uh, yeah, right. From, and, the, from um, the get-go. From the get-go. Interesting. I still have my doubts, to be honest. Have you watched any of the – maybe we'll get into it later. Uh, well, no, let's talk about it now because we're talking about the it. The Yellowstone? Yeah. I haven't watched it. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I have okay. some questions, man. Do you want to get into it's it now or get into it later? Get into it later because it's maybe. more based on the rewatch. Yeah, well, I never enough. saw it before. But um, it was one of those movies that whether you've seen it or not, you know the – He's a bodyguard. <laughs> yeah. She plays herself. Although I did think that she, he died at the end. I thought he died. Could have taken a leaf out of end of, ga- end of days. Yeah. It might, the song would have hit harder. Mm. Although some of the lyrics wouldn't have made sense anymore. But, you know. Who's listening? Yeah, not this guy. Nah, just joking. I love Whitney. We love Whitney. I think I guess my personal context in this movie is probably more from the angle of Whitney. Whitney is very big in our household. Mm. Um, She's one of a kind. And at some friends' households too. Friend of the show, Davis, big Whitney fan. We would often like, after a lot of beers, just like go down a YouTube tangent of different Whitney videos and, you know, go, oh, fuck, how good's Whitney? Mm. Um, like it's her, always a bit bittersweet. Her national it, anthem. Yeah. She's so fucking good, man. Her voice is incredible. And it comes across so effortless. She stands there smiling, not in like a fake, like, theatre way, but in like a – Girl next just, door. I'm just having a casual chat here, guys. She's yeah. very just casual about it. Very, she's, looks, she's standing there like she's just talking. But what comes out – is well, maybe she was so beautiful, and there's there's other singers. I just as far as personal preference, I probably listen to more. Who, but but I think just technically, I don't know if there's ever been anyone better. But like Lauren Hill, for example, I just love her voice. Like there's something about the tone and everything. It's just a husky or something. Yeah, but uh, but in terms of just technicality and and ease and just. One of the artists where you want to hear the live, you know, there's a lot of singers you're like, oh, I don't want to hear them sing live because they're probably terrible. Like you you seek out the live ones because you want to hear the different runs and different riffs and things she does. Again, effortlessly, not not over-singing it, but just like different ways that mm. enhance the song. She's so fucking good. Yeah. But um, so that's probably my only, my only I guess, uh, preconception going into the film other than there was nothing really at stake. I didn't. I hadn't watched it before. I was not a fan or, or she, a hater. I was just neutral on it. Huge fan of Whitney. You just waited for waiting to exhale to get into her filmography. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say shoop. 
Is that from? Yeah, yeah. Is that from that? Uh, <laughs> um, but why don't I get into the origin story? Origin story. This was written by a man named Lawrence Kasdan. And this is a weird story because I got really lost in the origin story here because I was like, wait, what? <laughs> because oh, uh, what? Well, the, the timeline here is so weird because he was was a copywriter working in advertising. Damn it. He wasn't a suit. <laughs> yeah. Why don't any of these guys suits? They're all copywriters. Yeah. Creative strategists. Jerks. Um, but he wanted to get into the movies, but he was like a reluctantly successful ad guy. Like he's winning Clio Awards and things. I, isn't that the – aren't they one and the same? Like what's the – Well, some of them love ads. Oh, that's true. He hated it. Yeah. Some of them think ads are important when we all know they're not. Mm. They're the scum of the earth. <laughs> no, not scum I get of the it. earth. I was blasting my mum last night. She was over watching telly. And she was like, oh, these gosh ads, this should be on Channel 7. Oh, this should be on ABC, the Olympics. Uh, I'm like, well, but someone's going to pay for it. Like everything costs money. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But advertising kind of paid for the couch you're sitting on, Mum. <laughs> True. Uh, Take that, Mom. Yeah. Mom. Mom. <laughs> uh, so this guy um, – a success story yes. of someone stuck in the world of advertising. Hey, we say this, we, we enjoy advertising, but, you know, we know we're not saving lives. But uh, this guy got out and he he was working as a copywriter by day but screenwriting at night and he wrote a bunch of scripts at the time, one of them being a, a film called The Bodyguard. Now what threw me was I'm reading that he would go on to write films like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Return of the Jedi, after writing The Bodyguard. And I was like, wait, what? He wrote The Bodyguard in 75. Yeah. 75. Crazy, huh? He wrote it in 75 with the idea being it's a Steve McQueen and Diana Ross thing. Yeah. Crazy. How cool is that? That's cool. I did not expect that at all. I'd like to watch that version. 75. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> and apparently it was inspired by Yojimbo. A Japanese movie, which translates to translates to the Bodyguard, oh. which was it was less about the singer. There was no singer, but it was about a character who was a bodyguard and whatever. And he was what did he say? He said, "I was interested in what kind of a guy would do that kind of work to be willing to lay down his life for a salary for someone he may care nothing about, maybe even have negative feelings about." And that was that was the spark. And he thought, "Who's the least interesting person I can get to be this bodyguard?" Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm not with you on that. <laughs> I know, I know. I think it's just me. But no, anyway. it's not just you, though. Isn't it's, it? It's pretty much like Is what I thought before I rewatched. Really? Yeah. So maybe I just haven't watched it enough. No, no. I don't. I don't know what. Wait, we talk. Oh, uh, we'll get. It, we'll get yeah, to that. We'll All right, we'll get to that. Um. Anyway, he's still in Adland at this point, but that script in particular was enough to get him an agent. So he moved over to Hollywood, still working in advertising, just transferred or whatever. And two years later, 77, Warner Brothers options the script for 20K. 20 grand. Yeah. It's the 70s. It just <laughs> kind of swirls. You know, the, Steve McQueen and, and um, Diana Ross were attached maybe briefly, but it just – I read somewhere that maybe that was too controversial, which is interesting. I don't so know if they mean racially, I guess. Um 
I also found it interesting Maybe. that the interracial aspect was inherent in the script. I thought, because I even thought in the nineties that was pretty progressive. Yeah, well, there was some. Um, there was a backlash when the the poster came out. Really? Because you can't see Whitney. Oh, because it's not her though. It was her body double. There you go. There you go. So her face is facing the other way. To, but they're not. That, the fact they didn't put both their faces on it was like, guys. That's interesting. So it's one of those ones where obviously. It wasn't her, that's why they didn't show the face. But equally there's like this inherent unconscious bias that they didn't think why it would be a good idea to yeah. show her face. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it looked like a cool cover. It's a cool cover but, yeah, it's interesting that, well, obviously we, it's important to show the white man's face. Yeah. Can you see his face? I can't even remember. I can't up, remember. Let's get it up, Jamie. Huh. Huh. I can't do it. <laughs> no. That guy can't. You just got to keep trying. Yeah. Pull that shit up, Jamie. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Though. I mean, maybe not cool, but it was interesting that that was baked into the script. It was always an interracial thing, which, um, yeah, maybe was a bit too spicy for some of the old fucking suits at the time. Mm. Fucking Hollywood, get it together, you jerks. Um, now, obviously, it's sitting on the shelf collecting dust and um, Kevin Costner apparently read the script when he was working on a film called Silverado, which was written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. And uh-huh. it was apparently Costner's breakout role. So maybe he did some facial expressions in it. Well, I'll have to watch it one day. Stop hating on <laughs> And then by 1990, Costner was like, hey, let's do the bodyguard thing. Let's do it. And um, Kasdan was like, yeah, to be honest, I've rewritten that thing so much. I'm a bit over it. I'll just come on as producer. I won't direct it. Take this guy, Mick Jackson. You might know from the Jackson 5. <laughs> Shimon. So Mick Jackson. Tito. Did uh, L.A. Story before this. Later on, we'd do Volcano. Um, you know, he's, he's around. <clears throat> okay. Um, okay. I think Costner was pretty instrumental. Uh, Costner was also a producer as well, and they really wanted Whitney, and they got it. Pish bash posh. She got herself a movie rap party at the Viper Room. Uh, should I play the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Frank Farmer to see Miss Marin. What? Alexander Graham Bell to see Miss Marin. It's a tactic. All right. Bill said he used to be with the Secret Service. There was two years with Carter, four with Reagan. Reagan got shot. Not on my ship. All my colors. What a song. This is my disguise. Well, his timing's good. Henry, I've spent a lot of time guarding people all over the world, and I found one thing to be true. No matter how incompetent the assassins, no matter how much they miss their target, there's one person who always gets hit. Who? The cocky black chauffeur. That's false. (laughs) Argyle, diehard. Yeah, it's a hero. Actually, that's a good point. It felt like that character was going to be more significant. He might have been. Yeah. Someone was in my house. <laughs> Wait a minute, someone was in my house. Everybody's afraid of something. That's how we know we care about things. When we're afraid we'll lose it. What a song. How about you, Frank Farmer out there on the edge? Rachel, I don't want to get confused about what I'm doing here. I'm not confused. You pay me to protect you. That's what I do. And what is it? 
that song to my uh my ever-growing unconventional gym songs playlist so tell you what a song with a climax that song certainly has a climax it's got like three of them when i actually some of these songs when i say gym songs they're for running so like i like to have a something to shoot to i know it's 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 coming it's building i used to like um on that note uh the chain by yeah okay uh fleetwood mac yeah yeah because it starts slow yeah and then it goes to boom, ba ba boom, ba ba boom. Yeah, I like songs like that to build because to me, I don't know, it, it helps with some escapism almost. And you're like, you're, it's like a movie score. It's like you're in a movie almost, and you're like, ah. Do you know what the challenge is? If you're yeah. on a mix, it's got to hit at the right time in your run. Yeah, and so I've been optimizing because most of my runs are relatively short. Oh, and you do a you do a treadmill run. I do a treadmill run, and often so it's you can optimize, and I mix it up in the workout. Not to go too deep into my workout, <laughs> but often it's just one kilometer, uh, not sprints, but as fast as I can. Yeah. And so I've got all these like four to five minute songs mm. that each have a good oh, build. Yeah, okay. So it works really well. Yeah. Um, and then I've got like a 20 minute version if I'm doing like four or five kilometers or something. Mm. And uh, I've almost optimized that Ooh, nice. to hit all the right points. I like have mine on shuffle. Yeah, because then it's like a surprise and delight yeah, scenario. No, it's yeah, because like, yeah. you don't know. Because that's the other thing. Because then when you know, it's like, well, now I've still got to get through fucking that, that Kanye West one, and mm. then I know I got that one coming. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's a little about me. Yeah. Um, what happened in this movie? Uh, let's see. I got a synopsis here. This movie just starts, doesn't it? Yeah. Famous singer <laughs> Whitney Houston, aka Rachel Maron, is on top of the world. Tristan. Yeah, she really is. She sings the songs that the people want to listen to. She's the queen of the night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it seems that some people want her more than others, Tristan. Yeah. And she's got a stage five clinger on her hands. Sure does. So her entourage that seemed to manage pretty much every aspect of her existence mm. uh, Want to bring in the best, or at least one of them does. Frank Farmer, Top Gun bodyguard. One of the best. But surprise, surprise, both Rachel and Frank are reluctant on the relationship, on the arrangement. Frank doesn't like the lack of compliance that she's displaying or the group's displaying. Yeah. And Rachel doesn't want to alter her behaviours or her patterns or her routines. I mean, she's not aware of the dangers. She's not aware Let's of the dangers. They've been protected. She didn't know that someone jerked off on her bed. Yeah, she didn't. No, she was not aware. I mean, yeah, that's pretty weird. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, they do this little dance for a while. Wait, wait. I'm just thinking about that now. So does, who did that? Who did the bed wank? Was it the creepy guy? Or was it the guy trying to kill her? Must have been the creepy guy. Because it felt like the creepy guy they were trying to... Was innocent. Yeah. Like he was, he was harmless. He was just a big fan but a bit creepy. Yeah. But I guess he did that, in which case he's not innocent. Yeah. It's fucked up. I think they got it a bit muddled. Yeah. Maybe there was a third one. Maybe it was Cy. Cy, who's, who's that? Publicist. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was comic. He was like 
in the parody version of this film, he can still be the same guy. Same guy. <laughs> it's from Spando Ballet. What? Yeah, I'll come back to that. <laughs> so they do this little dance for a while, you know, I don't want to be here, I don't want you here. And then he does some cool shit and she goes, oh, yeah, he's pretty hot. <laughs> That's pretty much what happens. So they have sex and then he, like, just... It goes from zero to hundred. And he goes to... Uh, yeah. And the sister gets jealous because she wants a piece of the farminator. Yeah. She's not a very nice sister. One of the worst sisters we've seen in film. Made it very clear on her feelings later. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the end of the movie. There's a, there's a shitty twist. Didn't like the twist. What was the twist that it was a sister? Yeah, what she what she had paid the hitman or what? Yeah, so it seemed early on that it was pretty obviously the sister, and I was like, oh well, it's that's too obvious. You know, she's the star. I'm not. That's too obvious. Won't be her. Has she not heard of Solange? Exactly. That's or Janet one of my first, Jackson. One of my first notes was like, but you leverage that fame, yeah. baby. Like you're famous now. You don't. You can do whatever you want. And yeah, there's different different routes you can take. You can you can do a Solange and you know do something different. Yeah. Or you can just be another. You can be a Chloe Kardashian or something. You know? There's like plenty of successful siblings. You can be things. Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Or even one of the other ones. Yeah. You don't see them trying to kill each other. I don't think. No, I wouldn't think so. I no. wouldn't take on Christo. He's been doing all that training. He's been training a lot. You can train just like him. Triceratops. Yeah. Benefit. Not a sponsor. Brought to us by. We're just sitting here drinking Peronis. So yeah, that's true. Actually, I'm up for a Peroni. Yeah, 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 crack it, crack a couple bar. Crack a couple brain. So I have some thoughts on this movie, Greg. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. This movie started, and it was like the ending of a movie. Did you notice that? The way <laughs> it felt like the end. Yeah. And both Ara watched it with me. Important to note. And we we're both like, wait, what? What just happened? And we rewound it. Like, did we press play at the end or something? It was weird. What like, was the opening scene? Him? Oh, it was him killing someone. It was a janitor, but yeah, but he wasn't a janitor. But it was weird. And then the title came up, but almost like a closing. Yeah, you're right. It was. It's it's Chinatown. It read, it read weird. And that, and it was meant to be him a, a, a snippet showing that he doesn't like to hang around and get attached. Yeah, I guess like I get what they were trying to do now, I guess, but it felt weird. And to be fair, I guess in defense of the film, on my next point is I, when I was watching it, I don't think I realized it was as old as ninety two, but I found the whole opening like, and maybe I just got used to it later in the film. But it, it looked like I. Again, having not seen this, I was like, oh, was he an actor and he's acting in this film within a film? Like it looked weird. It looked like a set. Yeah. That's why I said forget it. It's Chinatown. It looked like the end. Have you seen Chinatown? No. At the end it's like a. Yeah, I guess it, that's probably what it was. It looked like a set. It looked like a bit like a set. I oh, think the also. was a bit as well. Yeah, and I think Jeez, maybe, I think maybe sometimes when these old movies get their 4K version or whatever, like you, you notice those flaws more maybe. Yeah, is that a thing? Maybe. I think sets look more obvious. But, it, yeah, it was weird to me because I didn't know it was that old. I, I would have – if you asked me, I would have guessed 96 or something. But um, yeah, I was like, wait, oh, so he was an actor and I guess then he – wait, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like get, a movie within a movie. It looks like a classic movie. Eventually, but, man, this is – it's a rocky start, this movie. It's just kind of like stumbles into the premise. I like to think of it as art house. Well, this is the thing too, because I was—I'm really trying to 
be open-minded and I'm like, but maybe that's just, it's an interesting way to tackle it and it's not so linear and just being like, and then this happens and then this happens. But I don't know. That's usually how plots work. But it, it just, I don't know. It was weird. And like she performed and then something exploded, but like, but what? And then he's there and it was all a bit weird. It was a bit weird. It was weird. But I liked it. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not out yet at this point. I'm not out at any point, let's be clear. You're staying in the closet? Yeah. <laughs> Sitting no. in the closet. <laughs> and in their, their whirlwind romance, I felt like it probably just happened too early because, A, he's supposed to be a top gun security man and he bangs her right away with no resistance or conflict until afterwards that he has like post-ejaculation yeah. guilt syndrome or whatever. Again? Pegs. Pegs. There's some pegs on his hands. He got some pegs. That's a classic case so, the, of pegs. so the conflict in this movie is pegs versus like <laughs> his integrity for the role. Like I think it probably would have made more sense if he just held off longer or something. It he didn't felt, bang it right away. It was sudden though. They weren't talking at all and then suddenly they were banging. There was building up. There was no build up, I, I thought. I felt there was. Interesting. I was expecting more build up. Yeah, that's fair. I Keep going. Because it's interesting you say that because when I, I said that to Ara, I said to Ara, this has come out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. And she's like, no, well, you know. And then five minutes later she's like, yeah, that was kind of out of nowhere. It was kind of out of nowhere. But like, but that's how love happens. I get that too. And the tension, you know. It was like chemistry it, it flips on a dime from fucking hate you. Yeah. There was chemistry there. It just felt like a weird dynamic. It's complicated. It, it, like, hey, it's complicated. I get you. Uh, hey, you and don't have you to tell what? me. Having zero experience in the world of um, bodyguarding or um, being a pop star, queen yeah. of the night. I mean, we're podcasters. So yeah, it's similar to both of those two things. There's adjacencies. Yeah. For sure. Um, I feel like this Hobbyists stuff would happen. Pod- podcasters. Hobbyists, yes. <laughs> Sons, ABN. We have day jobs. <laughs> yeah. We're podcasters in our spare we're, time. We're more in second job territory. Yeah. To um, support the podcast. <laughs> What uh, what was I saying? I can't remember. Sorry, something about okay. sex. Yeah, see, sex. Oh is- no, the bodyguards. <laughs> it's a lot like the eating of an onion. <laughs> the bodyguard. You're defending him. Yeah, I think that uh, there would be plenty of scenarios where the lonely pop star would be getting jammed by the Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren, Dolph, and and Dingo. Yeah, that's. That was one of my recasts, by the way. Oh, nice. Throw Dolph in there. Because it happened. He's lived it, man. He yeah, knows he the experience. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was – a lot of these things, they're not deal breakers, but I was like, huh. I don't know if I would have done that. <laughs> You're more of a sigh. What, who's that again? <laughs> the English <laughs> Is that the English Yeah. Part? I hate him. I don't like – I'm more of a Tony. Hey, I was Tony. Hey, I like how she keeps Tony around. Yeah, yeah. And I like him by the end. He's a good yeah. guy. He just does a power struggle. I love Tony. And then he accepts. And then he's like fucking. It's like alphas. Like, I don't mean it in like the, you know, new generation, whatever, like how kids use alpha these days. What do kids use alpha? Well, you know, it's like you're such a beta, you know, those types of things. But I just no, mean. Jay- I don't. What are you. On TikTok and shit. I'm not familiar. Like, uh, please explain. The way they talk about, you know, like um, uh, Joe Rogan, alpha. But like it may be an NPR podcast is such a beta, <clears throat> beta cock. You don't want to be a beta cock. That's the worst thing you could be. It could be a giga chad. That's important. But um, I don't know. Any, I don't, 
These are all things, man. But I just mean genuinely alpha as in like as if you've got two dogs in a room and they fight and then one just asserts dominance. Yeah, I know, like, the, I know the, the, the true, definition. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah. So in, in that sense, not in – I wasn't TikTok like, yeah, sense. alpha, bro. I'm like, yeah, that's mad because it was, it was understood. And then he was he was still a good guy. He's like he goes shopping with her. <laughs> yeah. was, it was delightful. I love Tony. Gabagool. Um, also, how they know I got gas? <laughs> I like him a lot. It's man. almost like he embraced not being in charge anymore or yeah. something. He's, He's like, like you finally, know, I get to have fun. Yeah, I don't mind. Top, it's, it's all right. The, it's the guy that's not Sean Penn's brother, but it kind of reminds me of him. Yeah, he's, um, he's the dumb and dumber one. Ah, oh, yeah, the dumb and dumber one, and the one that I think it's the guy that was in the office. When they thought he was in the mafia, and they kept saying "gabagool" or episode, I really enjoyed it. I will have the gabagool. What? The gabagool. I, I don't really know what that is. You know, gabagool. I don't. I don't. I don't have to have what that. What he's trying to say is gabagool. Guys, guys. All right. I, just, I I'm don't trying really to, think I don't, that we have that's that. That's okay. Bring him the gabagool. Shh. I will have the spaghetti. There's a lot about this movie that appeals to me. Like I said, Whitney Houston, she's awesome. But in saying that, I was expecting more songs. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I turned it up and I was like, well, let's watch it together, babe. There was going to be singing. It's going to be great. There's a bit. There's a bit, but I was, I was expecting more. But I can't – that's my expectation. I can't hold that against the movie. But I definitely would have enjoyed more songs. Yeah, there was a few. Yeah, there was a few. But – What about Kevin singing? <laughs> he probably sings. Does he, he plays it in the band. Oh, wait, did we talk about this last time? I don't remember. He, he's a guitar player, I think. Pretty sure he plays in Yeah, bands. I think we may have talked about this Probably last country time. country western. Big time. Have you seen he's got a little flavour saver these days? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Saving all that flavour. Uh. I'm not wasting any flavour over here. But interestingly, that one one little thing of, um, and I'll ask you how what you thought of the movie in a second. Sorry, I know I've been monologuing over here. But um, one thing in this movie that I thought was interesting in my own mental processing of it was at first I was like, I don't know if Whitney's a good actor. And then by the end I was like, I dug, I dug it. And I think it was because uh, she, she's not an actor and so she wasn't acting like an actor, if that makes any yeah. sense. You know, like she, she, a lot of her dialogue is like she was getting it out in a hurry. Like, you know, an actor would be like, oh, how am I going to, what's the cadence here? And she just kind of like, well, I tell you what, you can't do that. You know, and She just thinks it's blurting out. But you know what, people talk like that. And there was something, uh, and so, and she was playing. She probably, herself. she probably talks like that. Yeah, she's so playing herself. I believed it, and I was like, "That's an interesting character," because usually you would see someone like acting too much, air yeah. quotes, and and kind of just it just falls into the background a little bit. I agree. Yeah, so it really by the end of it, I was like, "Yeah, I'm yeah. into this. That really worked for me." Yeah, it's interesting. I'm yeah, glad you felt that way because yeah. I did too. Yeah, yeah, she was good. It's like, but it was maybe slightly it's her, jarring at maybe first. Maybe it's her personality. Yeah. But guess what? Who cares? Like, but, I'm uh, but to, she's not out there pretending to be like. I haven't seen seven other movies of her acting. I don't know what she talks like in real life. Well, yeah, and exactly. And, I, and I, she doesn't strike me as a type where she's trying to become an actor necessarily. Like she just did this as a thing and she did a really good job. I think she did a good job because she wasn't like acting. Actor. Actor. She just kind gun. of just like. She just lived it, bro. You know, like when someone that plays poker that doesn't know how to play poker, they can actually be really good. <laughs> As usual, I was winning and not realizing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit. And I think I found it jarring a little bit initially just because. She's got a 
husky little voice. Yeah, and I guess it wasn't being delivered in the way that I'd been trained to receive dialogue. I, was, I don't know. But, yeah, by the end I was like, you know what? That was a, that was a character there. That was something different. It was interesting. But what did you think of this film, Greg? I feel like I've, I've, I've hammered through a lot of my thoughts without actually asking what you thought. Uh, I thought it was going to be terrible. and oh, interesting. I liked it. Mm. I think that it was it certainly wasn't flawless, but I liked it. You know, we talked about the acting, yeah, just now, and the acting got panned. Did it? She got hammered. It's like, oh, she's not acting. I'm like, well, she's playing herself. What do you want her to do? I she's, thought she, yeah, she's well, playing a, a, yeah. a fucking pop star. She's a pop star. What, what, what is she meant to do? And I thought she was acting. Like she was acting a bit weird. Humans are weird, man. Not yeah. everyone delivers perfectly, yeah. manicured monologues. People That's, talk in weird cadences. That's what I mean, things. it had to probably get panned for this, but I just feel like it did have an art house almost vibe to it outside of being full of tropes. <laughs> <laughs> can, they, can they coexist? I don't know. But, you know, Kevin Costner got panned and I've been the first to criticise his laconic approach to to acting. Yeah. But for some reason I think in this role – just hit right because he's probably a man of few words. He's a fucking bodyguard, yeah. mate. He's not going to be the life of the party, quirky. He's a bodyguard. He stands around and stares at shit. Yeah, but then you got Tony over there. But yeah. yeah, but he was a shit bodyguard. Yeah, he was. A shit <laughs> he's just staring at stuff. Alexander Graham Bell to see Whitney. That was yeah, his he's, trick. He's testing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I thought this was like the right. I, I went in circles on that a little bit because I agree that. I guess the character you could argue would be like that, but I don't know, man. His just his face just always been so expressionless. And then I joked to you when I was watching last night, the freeze frame at the end, like that's the frame. All right, I got two <laughs> words for you, Ryan Gosling. But he doesn't. <laughs> so I'm trying to do my Gosling face here. You know what? I guess it's just that he has more of a. He's Ryan Gosling, man. Just picture it. Technically, you may be right. But I think it's just that his face looks a certain way that just looks like a dumb face versus <laughs> when Gosling does it, it's handsome and it looks like it's there's thought and tension in there or something. He's just got a blank face that looks like he's like when, you know, Homer's like yum, 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 yum. <laughs> there's nothing going on in there. Well, I saw handsome tension. He saw handsome tension. Interesting. Maybe it's I, because I know he's a, he's a um, uh, property mogul from Yellowstone. Yeah, so I haven't seen that yet. I was going to ask because off the back of that I was like, is he a good actor? Because I, I don't know if I've seen him in anything that I've genuinely been, wow. Yeah. And I know Yellowstone's huge and I haven't watched that yet. He's not my favourite actor. Yeah. Let me caveat that. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's not. I just thought that that kind of laid back. And he's a good director. So I'm not saying, I'm not shitting on him as a human. but Just, as, <clears throat> just in most areas. Just in his face. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I was into it. I thought it was yeah. appropriate. And I thought I, I got chemistry there. I, I, like, I, I got chemistry. People were like, there's no chemistry. I'm like, I get chemistry there. I get chemistry. and It's a different kind. It's not the obvious like, oh, my God. But like, it was like I a, get, I big time get chemistry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I do get that. And um, he spoke at her funeral. Oh. I, did, I couldn't watch it. I thought I wasn't quite ready. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, and I've watched a few clips. Oh, so they're good. They're tight, were they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. And that. I watched a few clips of him talking about it in the years since, and he's very sweet about it. And he's like, so you there know, is chemistry. There's genuine chemistry. I hundred percent. Fuck off, everyone else yeah. except us. And he said this beautiful not, not thing. You. 
he was being interviewed on a morning show or something and it's like, oh, you know, when people ask me about Whitney, sometimes I, I want to be careful about what I say because I want to keep some just for me. Oh, isn't that nice? Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Very nice. Very nice. He seems like a good guy and oh, he's got a good flavour saver. He's, he's fascinating. We've talked about this before. Like he's had – he's a boss. Like I don't know how else to describe it really. Yeah. Smashed Hollywood. Made some duds, but still makes me like one of the highest paid Keeps actors of kicking. all time. Yeah. Um, tries his hand at business, knocks What's it out the of the business park. Thing? Oh, I mean, he's got a heap of shit. But yeah. He's super, like, he's proper successful. Yeah. Um, you know, he's worth like half a billion dollars or some crazy That's figure. a lot. It's many dollars. Yeah. It's about half a billion more than me. And he owns some giant ranch just on the outskirts of Aspen. That's a TV show. No, he actually does. <laughs> really? Yeah, he owns a massive ranch in Aspen. Whoa. He's a baller. Well, so in my viewing of this and processing his performance, I was like, is there someone else? I said Swayze to Ara and she was like, oh, yeah. She said Richard Gere. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and then one of us said, oh, I said Dolph. <laughs> Although while you were talking, He's I thought Frank Dukes. Oh. The real Frank Dukes. Oh, yeah. It's very astute on your part. That's as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. He's your guy. Yeah. Man, case closed. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, she also said Clooney. Can we do this? Uh, yeah, yeah, do the head wobble. I said I, was, I, I said I was Graham Bell. Hey, Greg, there's a few things I liked about this movie. Can I list them off? Yeah. My favourite part was the, the judo chop. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I wrote karate chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> judo chop. He might as well have said judo chop. Like it was powers. the worst. Oh. So we're talking about the, the evil bodyguard who was behind it all. Uh, at the end, when Tony goes to confront him, he just gives him a classic judo chop. To the back of the like neck. Like it's fucking get ha- smart. Hey, yeah, it was a full get smart move, wasn't it? <laughs> and as was his gun camera apparatus. It might oh, as well be a, a so shoe bad. phone. Um, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, and Did he say here? He should have. <laughs> yeah. And um, his head exploded too. That was kind of cool at the end. Did you notice that? When, um, when Costner shoots him. I think he shoots the camera too and it's like some kind of explosion happens in his head. That's good. That was pretty good. Um, Another part I loved was when the woman comes to hit on Farmer and she says, I've been watching you all night from across the room. And this is literally what I would yell at the TV usually. And he said, why don't you go back there and keep watching? And Ara said, that's what you would say. That's amazing because I, I didn't watch it with Carol yeah. but I thought to myself, that's something I would have said. Yeah, exactly. Like that's I'm pretty that sure I, I said that to such was my the, how bore, bad I was with, with girls. I'm pretty sure I've said oh, something dads. on those lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've told the school dads. Yeah. <laughs> that's bizarre. Oh, we've, man. We've, we've captured the same elements here. What else you got? Uh, the other part I loved was um, the, the lack of celebrities at the Oscars. <laughs> I missed that. Exactly. <laughs> there yeah. was no they're, – they're at the Oscars. Why don't they get the Plenty of Hollywood crew in? They got that Arliss guy up there doing comedy as if he's yeah. hosting it. So like, I was in Batman, remember me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was the other reporter. <laughs> yeah. They let me live at the end because I thought that they thought I was doing something. Um, there's no, so there's no cameo. That's cameo territory. Yeah, yeah. You don't even get a Van Damme in there or something. And But uh, last but not least, uh, in fact last but – the most at the top of the list, he's eating an apple with a knife. You know how I feel about that. Oh. He had an apple knife. He did, and he yeah. threw it. Yeah, yeah. Apple knife, I'm probably haven't talked about it much on the show. Maybe we have. 
I love eating an apple with a knife. I bought you an apple knife. And Greg bought me an apple knife for Christmas a couple of years ago because I was talking about it. Because it's like how my grandpa used to eat apples. It's the baller way. It's a cool way to eat yeah. apples, man. Yeah, exactly. And so that gave it one more star in my review by the <laughs> Just that alone. That's fair. Hey, um, love that stuff. You know the samurai sword scene? Oh, uh, yeah. I have um, a second knife slash sword story I'd like to share. Do you eat an apple with a sword? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a samurai sword story. Oh, yeah. So. From the same store? No. So as I got older, the, the knife and sword obsession continued so much so that I really wanted a, a samurai for my 21st. Whoa. So my mates chipped in and got me a samurai sword. Uh-oh. Um, there's a few funny stories around this sword, but the one I'm going to tell today is because it was pretty much what happened in the movie minus the sex and the scarf. <laughs> um, so I was um, – I had this samurai sword in my bedroom at Bathurst where I went to uni, which is like a regional town a couple of hours out of Sydney. Yeah. And I had it in my bedroom and then my housemate made me move it because I slept walked and he thought I was going to kill him. Oh, with I think I heard sword. this story back in the day. Anyway, so we put the sword down in the, um, in the living room and one night we used to have people over as you do at uni and people sort of come in in various states. Yes. And one night I was on the couch by myself just chilling out. The uh, housemates were out and one of our other friends came over and he'd, he'd been at the pub and uh, – like, oh, can I have a play with the sword? I'm like, okay. So he gets the sword. This is, uh, oh, mate, Tank. Oh, okay. Tank's a, Thank you, Tank a, a sword. legend. He's, you know, like any of us, he's, he's uh, you know, he's got a loose side and he was probably a little drunker than I'd probably realised. So he's got the sword and he's, he pulls, <laughs> pulls out the blade and he's just doing some air chops like Whitney was. Just like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And they're coming and I'm lying down on the couch Fuck. and it's coming a little bit too close. I'm like, Tank, just chill. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he stood and I had a schooner of – and I'll add, this thing wasn't as sharp as yeah. Frank Farmer's knife uh, sword was, but it's obviously not that blunt. I'd yeah. never really tested it properly, purely ornamental. I don't know where it is now. Yeah. Anyway, and I had a schooner glass of water, um, like a beer glass. Yeah. That we brought home from the pub as you did back in the uni days. Yeah. With the water in it sitting on the on the coffee table right in front of my face. Like I was lying on the couch and the coffee table was pulled up so I could have the water. And he's just gone accidentally and hit the schooner with the sword and like chopped it, sent half of it flying across the room, smashed on the window Whoa. or smashed on the wall and just left half a schooner glass. Clean? Clean. Uh, well, clean as in, yeah, yeah, clean, really. Like not like, you know, not flat and horizontally yeah, yeah, perfect, yeah. but no no you shards. Just smash it. No yeah, shards. Yeah. Just a clean break Jeez. of of schooner and the and the top half smashed against the wall. Damn. And I was like, uh I think you should put down the knife now or the sword now. And did he or did Yeah, he, he was down? freaked out, man. <laughs> okay. Man, the got like the thing was close to my head. Fuck. And I was like, it was I was like, that you're just Whitney. He was up there like her going, making lightsaber noises. Man. I'm like, I don't think this is a good thing to have in this house. No. But so then I pulled out a scarf and fucked him. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You're only human. And I sung. <laughs> Take my life. Yeah. What a song, man. Oh. Good song. Um, did you know that Whitney's cousin was Dion Warwick? Warwick? Do you say Warwick or Warwick in that scenario? Well, Warwick. <laughs> Dion, oh, the old boy. Dion Dionne Warwick. Who's Dionne Warwick? She's a singer. Oh. She's got heaps of that, right? 
Yeah, Godmother was Darlene Love. Christmas. Oh, yeah, and I think. her One of her honorary godmothers was. Um, Aretha Franklin. Aretha. Yeah. Because her mother, her mother was um, uh, Sissy Houston. I didn't know this. Sissy Houston was a backup singer for basically all of the aforementioned plus Elvis and yeah. the others. She so was she born was, into it, right? She, yeah, she was training her from a young age. She, so she was Whitney was like a soloist in the in the junior gospel choir at eleven. She became a teen model, first person of color to appear on the cover of Seventeen Mag. It's a creepy title for a magazine. Saying, "Well, if you buy it as an adult man, it's a good point." <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, I didn't really, I'd never really looked into her background that much before. Yeah, she was doing it for she was. Yeah, she was on the circuit from a young age, which kind of gives some a bit more context perhaps to her turbulent life. You know, it's pretty hard. I guess it's the I've equivalent seen. of being like a child star to a degree. That, yeah, that, mate, that level exactly. of just a, not a proper childhood. It's not normal yeah. to be singing back up for like the world's biggest singers when you're 15. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Not to shift the focus too far away from Whitney, but I think one of the underrated things in a song like I will always love you, which oh, actually the other thing I loved about I actually really liked this about the movie was I didn't know that that song had any significance to the film itself, the the, the story in the film itself, like yeah. the fact that they're at that bar and it's an old version of that song, oh, yeah. and she's like it's a bit sad, and it's like oh, I guess so. That's kind of cool. I didn't know I didn't get that part of why that song. Why was would significant. you? Why would I? I? Hadn't seen the film, but that song also. You've sung you've sung Dolly Parton at a bar before. I have. Yeah, you went. You chose a different song. I, so, I chose Jolene. Yeah, I didn't know the words, so yeah, you, it, was, it was okay. All right, <laughs> but the sax solo in this song, and there's one part in particular I really love. I'll put it on because <laughs> <laughs> I just think it gets me every time. You know, you ever like hum a, a sol- uh, like, yeah, 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 and it's that part. It's that part. It's that part. Get these anymore? Ooh. There it is. Is that Kenny G? Maybe. But he's a clarinet man, isn't he? Oh, what is his instrument? It's not a sax, though, is it? What it was? It's in the wind instrument family. That uh, part. Sorry, I'm, no, I'm missing it. Ah, here we go. This part. Yeah. And I think in some live versions, it like almost like crackles, like you know when someone sings just at the top of their register. Yeah, and it's like, really, wow, wow. yeah. a red line. It gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny you brought. Part. It's funny you brought that up. I was listening to Tina Turner's "Simply the Best" earlier today. Oh, I was listening to Tina Arena yesterday. Oh yeah, Chains. Tina's. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I listened to her after Whitney today because maybe I subconsciously wanted more sax. Ah. You know, "Simply the Best" has the sax. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're the best. Another one? Yeah. yeah. Quick little sax saxophone. Oh, here it comes. There's a, te- there's a tenor sax. Where the sax man go too? <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that's what, I, that's what you want. It should be a ponytail though. It should be more wind. You see the guy playing it at the... At the NRL Grand Final is uh, like fully jacked. Yeah, yeah. Shirt off with jeans. Like the guy in ponytail. Uh, 
like the guy in Lost Boys. There's or a- maybe I just merged them. <laughs> See, the beauty of having a saxman is that like you have the, is it called it the bridge where it like kind of that's an extra bit after the second chorus and it like escalates. Take it to the bridge! And then, and it's a bit of a climax of the song, but then the saxophone comes in and you're like, it's another, it's like a multiple orgasm at that point. You're like, we're going yeah. here? Ah, oh, take me, I'm yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful. Uh, so I guess I'm saying more, more, sax, more sax solos, man. Sax. It's good shit. Why don't yeah. we do it? People think they're too cool for sax. Uh, I played sax. Did you? Yeah, I was very bad. At it. Huh. I didn't practice enough. Huh? I, Embarrassingly, I, Mr. Percival was my teacher. I don't think I could do wind instrument. I've never. I think you know what it is. It's such a hard. You can't practice quietly. I think yeah, that's probably the issue. Because I do have a harmonica, and I have the same issue with that. It's like you sound so bad when you don't know what you're doing. The problem. Is, what you got to say to that is fuck them. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Ara. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of neighbours. No, nah, it's more neighbours. It's not Ara. She bought it for me. She's lovely. Um, look, I think we've covered most things. One thing I just will add, a little bit of trivia for you. Um, well, two things. One, the writer of this film, Mr. Kasdan, hated it. <laughs> hated how it turned out. <laughs> really? But he's very balanced about it. He says, but I think it had nothing to do with Mick Jackson directing. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I'm not a good person for having other people directing my screenplays. Um, because then he got carried away with the editing, Kasdan, the writer, yeah. slash producer. Then he like over-edited it out of it. It was all. He fucked it. He kind of fucked it. And he said, and if I had directed the film, it probably wouldn't have been as successful as it was. So I'm not saying I would have done a better job, but I didn't like it. And the other thing that was interesting was the song was going to be a different song. It wasn't going to be I Will Always Love You. What was it going to be? be? It was going to be What Becomes of the Broken Hearted. I'm not familiar. Do you know that song? What becomes of the broken heart? Because yeah, some of that, yeah. But it was in Fried Green Tomatoes the year before, so they changed it, and that it was Costner's choice. Apparently. That's the name of the follow-up film to Once Were Yeah, Warriors. Jake the Must. That's yeah. my primary memory of it. Yeah, <laughs> and he lifts the car. Yeah. Better choice. Yeah. And I think a bit like your member Barry with Mr. Clapton, how his acoustic version of Layla was like a reinterpretation of Layla. It's the same thing could be said with I Will Always Love You. Like it's it's like, I mean, I didn't know it was a Dolly Parton song until a few years ago. Um, like it's not just a cover. It's like a. Didn't she write it in half an hour or something? Probably. It's yeah. This- she's one of those. Can we give her a moment? Dolly Parton, man. What a fucking baller. She's over there doing her own thing. She, the Moderna vaccine, that was her. Yeah, have some money. Yeah, have some money. All her employees at Dollywood, she pays for their college tuition. <laughs> she's just a great yeah, she's person. special. She's awesome. Thank you, Dolly. On that note, why don't we get into the verdict? I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. 
And that's all I have to say about that. Um, so where do I come down on this one? Because I'm somewhere in the middle. And I think for me personally, I don't know if I'd watch this again. I'd say if I, I would listen to the soundtrack many times over. So I'm going to give it maybe a best left in the past if we can keep the album. Listen to the album, don't sure you? Don't you need can. to watch the movie. Because you literally can. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, when we say left in the past, is it like stricken from the record and therefore anything else? Well, you can define it as you please. Yeah, there you go. Then the album stays and the movie goes. There you go. Yeah, I look, it's a good point. Because I would say it's a rewatch. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, will I watch it again? Not for a very long time. Yeah. I don't see why I'd need to. Yeah. But I'll listen to the soundtrack again probably today. We're probably going to get downstairs and put it on. You know, yeah, fuck yeah. And it's probably another good example. It's one of those things that sounds obvious, but it happens on this very podcast often is the power of expectations, man. I think my expectations were higher. I don't know what based man, on. It's a, the Rotten Tomato score. I didn't know that. I just I thought this was seen yeah. as more of a classic. To be fair, actually, yeah. 100%. I uh, I thought the same. I, I thought I thought this is like, oh, uh, I'm going to see a classic that I haven't seen. That mm. was kind of the mindset I was going into. Whereas you were like, you didn't love it as a kid. And so you had lower expectations. I had high no, expectations. I had high expectations. Oh, I, I thought you said you had low. Who knows? That was an hour ago. <laughs> a lot can happen in, in my opinions in an hour. <laughs> Let's get through this. I've got nothing left. Oh, I'm done. Oh, okay. So oh, yeah. No, wait. A verdict. That's the verdict. Yeah. I'm a yes, you're a no. Yeah. Cultural relevancy test. Did Simpsons do it? Yes. 100%. Mark Hamill. And uh, yeah, yeah. And Homer becomes a bodyguard and yeah. the guy makes – the, the instructor sings the bodyguard song. Oh, I forgot about that <laughs> one. Well, he sings I'll Always Love You. Yeah. Uh, Bechdel test, not really. In fact, the two sisters are fighting over the same bodyguard who is mediocre at best. Strong, silent type. <laughs> have you ever heard of strong, silent type? I have. I didn't see one in this movie. Oh, <laughs> I did. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm. Oh, recasties. I've got some. Oh, yes. You've got Tom Holland and Zendaya. I've got um, – oh. <laughs> I thought of that actually because I, oh, yeah. I thought Zendaya could be. Ryan Gosling, man, he's 100% Kevin Costner. That's a good one. I had um, Rihanna and Tom Hardy. Mm. That's after I had Dolph, of course. Mm, I like uh, it. Um, that was not bad, I thought. Not bad. I like it. Because they, they're both equally freaky too. I feel like they would actually have chemistry too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm into it. They wouldn't. Oh, that would be banging in the first act. I would, yeah, and I'm watching. <laughs> I would watch that. Yeah, I'm into it. All right, there, there you go, story by. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, wait, no. Oh. Um, porn parody, the booby guard. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I looked that up too. <laughs> I remember it. Oh, really? You saw, oh. Oh, I remember the cover. Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I Googled uh, it. Google Sabo. not required. Yeah, wow. It's the old noggin. Yeah. Nice. That's up there with Titty Hanger. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> That's it. I'll see you next week, guys. Yeah. Bye.